0: Today's episode is all about sports tech, data, and how understanding the deeper interests of your customers can help you create stronger emotional connections. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. Quick plug before we get to our guest introduction today, if you're focused on guest experience or employee experience, definitely go check out our email newsletter. As we work with pro teams and college athletic departments around the country, we're taking the lessons that we learn from our experiments and our projects, and we're putting those insights into the newsletter. A couple of times per week, you'll get everything from the articles and content that are inspiring us to innovate, as well as new tools that we're using and loving. If you get value from this show, you're going to love the newsletter. To sign up, head to engagementpartners.com backslash newsletter. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience to try to understand what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles from their careers that have helped guide them to success, and then we take all those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, today's episode, we are sitting down with a sports tech founder, Jason Fox. Jason is the CEO of Earbuds, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Earbuds is before we get into the interview with Jason. But first, a little bit of background on Jason. So after six years of playing professional football for the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions... Jason founded Earbuds, which is really the first social-focused music-sharing platform. Again, we'll go into in-depth what that actually means in a second. But he really plans to distinguish Earbuds from other music players in the app store by investing in live listening and his network from the NFL days. So it's really a, a combination of his past experience as a celebrity, as a professional athlete, and combining that with social listening and how that actually plays into the future uh, of fandom. So on this show, we talk a lot about understanding the deeper interests of your fans. And if you're able to understand the deeper interests of your fans, you can then create services and products that can engage with them in all different platforms. In my mind, if you're a sports and entertainment organization, your goal really should be how can we Create more share of heart and wallet with our fans and our customers. Ultimately, what that translates to is how can I get my fans to be thinking more about me in every different ways, whether they're listening to your music, whether they're buying your merchandise, whether they're attending your events, whether they're talking about you on forums, you want to be front of mind all the time for your customers and you want to be associated with the things that they like. And so that's why I think what Jason is doing with earbuds is really interesting. He's going to get into the nitty gritty of how the technology works And we actually we really nerd out on this episode. I mean, we talk about a ton of uh, different technology things that I think everybody will find interesting uh, that that listens to this. At least I certainly found it fascinating to hear Jason talk about it. But ultimately, what Earbuds is doing is it's allowing consumers and fans to listen in to what their favorite star athletes are. Or celebrities are listening to live. So different than creating a Spotify playlist that you've curated ahead of time, they can actually listen in to the headphones that the quarterback is listening to as he warms up and gets ready for the big game. As a result, it creates another avenue where a fan can feel like this is an exclusive thing that I have access to that because I'm a super fan, because I'm engaging in this way, I have a leg up and I am more of a fan than everybody else. And when you think about fandom, it's not about rational connections. It's about emotional connections. And it, it doesn't make sense that that would be how we think about that. But think about the classic saying of, I'm your number one fan, right? There's a pride to being a bigger fan than other people. And so by actually being able to Hear what is between the ears of the athletes that we worship, uh, that we cheer, that we celebrate it is creating another connection point. And so I think this episode is going to be really interesting, no matter what your role is in the sports and entertainment ecosystem, uh, to hear Jason talk about how they've built their company, how they've grown their user base by understanding deeper interests of their fans, how they're utilizing data. Uh, But additionally, I think if you're a sports and entertainment senior leader at a traditional pro sports team or college sports team, uh, this could be an interesting partnership for you uh, going forward. So without further ado, uh, let's jump into this episode with Jason Fox, the CEO of Earbuds. Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, David. Thanks for having me. All
0: right, let's get into it. So the entire concept for Earbuds is really all about fan engagement, kind of inspired by Cam Newton, Michael Phelps. Give us the 30-second rundown of the company.
1: Yeah, like you said, it it was uh, inspired by... My last career as an NFL player, uh, when I would see very first example was Cam Newton, but uh, every game, whether it was guys getting off the bus, guys in the locker room, guys on the field warming up, whether on our team or the other team, the one common thread was everybody had their headphones on, getting them ready for the game, getting their teammates into it, getting the crowd into it. uh, I would see guys post the social and get massive responses. I'd see bows and beats doing massive campaigns uh about guess what's in my headphones you turn on any nba game any x games uh and then like you said the olympics was really the final push in 2016 watching michael phelps uh warm up before his first race when it was the number one thing trending worldwide on twitter is what's phelps listening to and i was like well i'm not i'm not the only one curious and there's there's a real market here and uh that's that's what birth dear buds, you know, the whole the whole mission behind behind our company is to bring people together through music. Uh and we do that by partnering with the four largest streaming services. We partner with Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, and Amazon. Uh to allow us everybody to listen together or on demand. Uh no matter what platform uh, the user uses, so if you have Spotify and I have Apple Music, we can still listen together. If your favorite sports star or favorite musician or even yoga studio instructor, uh, if you want to listen along with your friends or coworkers, uh, that's 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 what we do here. But
0: huge, and and I know we're going to get into some of those partnerships and how you were able to create some of those, some of the strategy behind it. Uh, but for I, I want to answer one more question as I'm thinking about this listening. If I'm a listener and I'm thinking, well, well couldn't somebody just make a playlist and post that on Spotify or post that on Apple Music? How how is what you guys offer different than just somebody posting a pre-made playlist uh online?
1: Yeah, we're we're different in a couple of ways. Uh, you know, the the first is we allow you to listen in real time. Um if if Patrick Mahomes is warming up before a game or before the Super Bowl like he was this year, our technology allows you to be completely synchronized in his headphones and when you see him bobbing his head on tv you know exactly what's playing in his headphones um or you know we're, we're actually being used in a marathon tomorrow uh and we have it, uh you know several nba players going live uh with, a, with the deal we did with the with body armor and some of their brand ambassadors this weekend so you'll be able to be in their headphones as they're warming up uh you know the second way we're different is uh, like I said, we're completely hardware and provider agnostic. So whether it's Mahomes, whether it's your girlfriend, whether it's, uh, you know, your favorite artist or whoever you want to listen to, there's a really good chance they don't have the same streaming services. So even if they posted one on Spotify and you're on Apple Music, you have no idea what that is. You don't have any access to it. And now we, right. we, Now we give you access. Uh, and then the last last differentiators were social. We allow you to chat. We allow you to interact. The host can talk over their streams and you know give you that even more intimate listening experience and deep behind the curtain. We allow you to send songs to your friends, no matter what platform they are. We just built a whole social experience, you know, around the music as well.
0: I love it. And it's so multifaceted, but ultimately, I think everything that you guys do allows players, allows organizations to tap into. More fans and create more community, more social experiences to what you just said. I'm curious, we talk a lot about it on this show about tapping into the other interests that fans have. So, great if you know, we're, we'll take the Mahomes example with the Chiefs. Great if you're a Chiefs, if you're the Chiefs organization, right, you want to market the great things that you're doing from the Chiefs perspective, but your fans care about more things than just Chiefs football games, they care about music and all these other things. So, as you think about as you think about it, are you guys seeing non like in this using that chief's example, are you seeing non-chiefs platform or non-chiefs fans tune in to listen to Mahome's uh, warm up in that playlist are you are you seeing new fans come into the ecosystem with this tool or is it primarily an additive thing for current fans? I don't know if that question makes sense
1: it, yeah, it makes sense um i'm I'm going to give you I, I think it's all of the above and I don't want to give you a general response, but fans typically now want to go deeper. Um, I mean, a great example is in the NBA, like, I mean, it, the NBA, and now even the NFL is related so much to culture, right? Like they, they want to know what shoes they're wearing, what clothes they're wearing, uh, you know, what they're doing in the off season, where they're traveling, where they're eating and using social media play such a big part of, uh, you know, the, whether it's the athlete, Uh, the live and and then the fans connection to them or the or the organization and just music is a really big facet that's always been hidden and now we're just giving one more uh we're allowing people to share one more part of their life that really wasn't been able to share before And now you and sometimes it's a surprise because you can look at someone and just guess what type of music they'd be into but you know, one thing I've learned with earbuds is you can't, you can't do that. So someone that seems super straight laced might be listening to hardcore 90s hip hop. And then someone that you think would be listening to hip hop is listening to classical before a game or so it it is a, it's a peak. It's, it's a deeper peak into their lives. And, uh, you know, it's unique access that wasn't, wasn't able to happen before.
0: As you're laughing saying that, I know that there's a specific player or two or an athlete or two that you have in mind as you're saying that. Can you tell some of our listeners like who who really surprised you with what they were listening to?
1: Oh, man. Um, I, I do. I do have a few. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. No, If anything, it's going to just attract
0: more people to their stream. Right. I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh well, you know, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, from the Browns, he's he's been live on our platform a few times and he is a very cerebral guy and I think people would be, you know, uh, pretty surprised by his his playlist as well. So I, that's one I'll, I'll
0: All right, we'll pl- there. So so if you uh if you're listening and you want to hear what Miles Garrett is listening to, it's going to surprise you. We'll leave it at that, but go tune in and and hear what he's listening to. Um, well, I, I, love, I love the point that we're talking about, about fandom and bringing people in and creating something deeper for them to tap into. Um, but I, 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 knowing a little bit about the music space, I got to hear, how did you get all these major players to almost play nice together? When I think about Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, oftentimes they're at each other's throats uh, and constantly competing against each other because very... It's not often that you're going to pay for an Apple subscription and a Spotify subscription. It kind of is a zero-sum game to those guys. How did you get all of them to join the platform? What were some of the conversations to get to that point?
1: You know, I'll answer that, but really quickly, when you know I started earbuds a few years ago, that was definitely the case. Everybody had one. Um, but now you're starting to see, especially with Gen Z, people start to have more than one music subscription based on... really different things that they're doing with their life. If, if, uh, uh, you know, some friends might have Apple music because of a, of a certain, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, but they might use Pandora for, for something else. So they might use YouTube while they're at home. Like it's funny now that you're starting to see, especially with this younger generation in, and what one of our beliefs is it's people are searching for what earbuds has to offer. Gen Z has such a high expectations with, cause they've grown up with the internet, right? They've grown up and, uh, what you've seen in gaming now where, you know, Xbox can play with PlayStation and now in mobile and PC and they can all come together. And that's a, it's a very, uh, you know, not far out example of what we're trying to provide. We're trying to allow everybody to play together and people, connect with their friends or the people they find interesting no matter where they're at Um, now on your question on how we how did we get these these streaming services on board and um it was it was it was a very gradual (laughs) a gradual thing and it wasn't overnight Um, one thing i was very surprised that i'll say is when i met with both spotify and apple music they were very particular on how it would work and you know what what access we would have and what data we'd be able to see. And they, they were very particular on how it all worked, but they both admitted to my surprise, they both asked me about the others, like are you planning to work with Apple, are you planning to work with Spotify? And I said, yes. And they said, it won't work otherwise. They said, we've tried social. And they go, the reason- Interesting. Because the, the winner of the space will be Switzerland. It'll be, it'll sit in the middle, but we don't want to work directly with them. Um, and so, you know, it. It took a lot of time, I'll be honest, but we were able to, you know, get everything that, you know, uh, that, you know, all, all the allowances and everything that we were looking for for them to with starting with Spotify and Apple, and since then we we've, we've signed private API deals with uh, Pandora and Amazon as well. Um,
0: that, that's super interesting that they all thought and about it the same way as like, hey, we probably won't won't work directly with them, but if you can work with all of us, that is a win for everybody in the end consumer. Uh, I love that they had the awareness to to kind of bring that, whether or not they had it from the beginning whether or not you got them there. But I know as long as at some point they got there, it's really interesting.
1: I wish I could take credit for it, but they both said that I was, I was thinking they were asking that to kind of shut down the conversation. Well, like we only want to work with you or, you know, uh, we're not going to work with those guys, but they, they both, to my surprise, were there before me, I can't take credit for it, and said this, we know what this will do in the collective kind of a rising tide lifts all ships type mentality, but uh, you're right, they don't want to work directly with each other.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I look at all those companies that, you, that you've that you mentioned here. We got Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon. I mean, they're all pretty customer centric companies that realize, hey, you know what, if at the end of the day, we're doing things that are good for the customer, then we'll probably win out. And to your point, the the rising tide will lift all boats in this case. Um, so I love it uh, real quick on this partnership thing. I, I do have to ask this. What was like the most difficult part for you as an entrepreneur kind of getting them? What What was the toughest part of that conversation? Uh, and, any one of those pick a specific story and like, don't throw anybody under the bus, obviously, but I'm curious yeah. to like the most difficult point where you're like, is this really worth it? And how did you overcome that?
1: Yeah. You know, and by no means are we so, uh, big and grand that we now command their full attention, but it was, you know, I kind of got judged and looked at as some, some athlete is coming in here wanting to start a tech company. And even they were asking me, they were like, you're on a company before. Have you, you know, do you know anything about tech? Like, how are you <laughs> going to build a team? Like there's a lot of doubters, uh, not only from them, really from a lot of people, kind of the term, you know, dumb lineman." of it kind of followed me around a little bit. But um and so you have to imagine they weren't bending over backwards to to work with us because they were like they probably had some hesitations of you know how you know if we could make this work. Um, and to be honest, we weren't the first that have tried to, you know social music. Social music is a new is not a new uh not a new idea. The the graveyard is full of, uh, many past, uh, uh, companies that, that, have, that have been in this space. And so, um, you know, we've just always taken the approach of, uh, you know, it's kind of slow and steady wins the race, but, you know, in startup world, you have to move quickly. And so trying to find the, the, the delicate balance there, but, you know, I, I tried to beat them over with facts. Uh to give an exact example, um I think Spotify Spotify has had a thing called rate limiting where if too many users are downloading or using you know their API through one source, getting super technical here. Uh they go, would go get
0: technical. Yeah.
1: They'll they'll they would throttle usage uh and it would seem like a, a a bad experience on our side, but it's really Spotify saying don't hit our servers this hard. Interesting. Uh, and, you know, I just had to take to them, you know, facts and, and, and data and, and market research of why this is important. And eventually we got we got all that lifted. Uh, and now, you know, and we've gotten some other allowances and some other endpoints and other things from not only Spotify from the other ones, but it was it was a very methodical and not overnight process. <laughs>
0: I love it. All right. I know we have our Google doc here with like different questions on there. I'm I'm kind of throwing it out on some of this, but uh, two random questions. We'll see where we go on these. Uh, I mean, talking about being, being a former NFL lineman, starting a company, really first company that you've run, uh, especially of this size, right? Like, Talk to us about some of the broader things that how you've overcome that, because I think for a lot of the people that that we com- converse with on a regular basis, there tends to be some imposter syndrome, especially coming from sports. And now you're in the, in the business space. Uh, I mean, I think about it from my time as a, a college athlete. Right. All of my my buddies that played pro before playing pro it was like we didn't have internships over the summer. We didn't have other jobs. Right. We were we were training 24-7 and that was my full-time job. So now how do I, I got a degree, but I had that a couple of years ago, right? I'm out of it. So, I mean, how, what have been just generally as an entrepreneur, some of the biggest things that you've used to overcome that imposter syndrome as you go forward?
1: It's very real. Uh, I'll start by saying that. And by no means am I saying I'm immune to it or uh, didn't go through didn't go through that or didn't have some, uh, you know, peaks and valleys through this process. You know, one thing, you know, my mindset at, at, that I took from a, from an athlete perspective was in the, re- honestly, probably the only reason why I made it to the NFL, um, was I just always took the approaches. I'm going to outwork everybody. Like, uh, you know, and not to, not to, you know, everybody that makes it to that level has to work hard, but, you know, I'm not going to put myself down or do anything like that. You know, I was I was gifted, but I definitely wasn't the most gifted guy on the field by any means. And I just said, you know what, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to have to outwork everybody. And I took the same approach to this. It was it was an idea, you know, started off with an idea that I was super passionate about. You know, I really started diving into a little bit of the, the research and market opportunity and said, OK, this is this could be the next big the next big platform. Music is untapped. Um, so I just said, I'm going to outwork everybody. I'll figure it out. I don't know what I'm doing. I went into it saying, like, I remember walking into my first investor pitch and I didn't even have a pitch deck. I didn't have anything. I go, listen, you're going to do, if you're going to invest bet on me, because I'm going to figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. I don't know how (laughs) we're going to get there. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but you know, I'm putting, I'm going to put it, I promise you, I'll put everything I have into it. Um, now that being said, that was the challenge because in, in, when you you can push enough weights and you can work out enough and you can you know study film enough and if you prepare enough it works. In entrepreneurship, there's all these other factors and variables that aren't always in your control and there's oh, there's, there's things that aren't in your control in, in football either the injuries and, and, and many others. But uh, I would say there's way more variables in entrepreneurship and you know things happen and mistakes are are costly um and we built the app that that worked but it wasn't architected properly the first time so we had to go back and fix a lot of things which was uh, a very painful thing to deal with mentally and and also talk to our investors about so there's there's there was a lot of uh um there, there it was definitely a learning process but i i and now that i understand a lot more of you know, how startups works, how a company works, how, you know, interacting with, you know, big companies or fundraising and all the intricacies of, of, of startup. But, uh, but still at the end of the day, it's, it's still that same mindset. It's like, we'll figure it out. We'll get there. We just have to keep, keep marching ahead, keep making first downs.
0: We could do a whole podcast on this. I have so many questions, more questions like, you know, how have you adjusted your schedule? And, you know, has your has your diet changed and all the, all this good stuff? Because, again, there are a lot of similarities between playing and being an entrepreneur, especially with the highs and the lows and whatnot. But I want I want to kind of get back to earbuds. We'll, we'll do it. Maybe we'll do a part two where we dive deep on all these things. Awesome. I, I particularly want to talk about Fan Controlled Football League and the partnership that you guys had with them uh, this year. Talk to us a little bit about that partnership. And maybe if people aren't familiar with Fan Controlled Football League, maybe give us two seconds on that. Uh, But really, like, how did the players get involved and what was the engagement like with Earbuds with Fan Controlled Football
1: League? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Fan Controlled Football League is an amazing league. They just had their first season uh, and they'll be back for season two this fall. Uh, essentially where the fans make all the decisions from the team names to the Jersey colors, to drafting the teams, to uh, all the way down to what plays they're going to run for every play and through their, through their app and through their partnership with Twitch, fans can crowdsource or they can crowdsource um, you know, decisions on, on what plays to run. And then, you know, the coach calls that play and it's, uh it was super well received. Um, I think, I think they had high expectations, but I think they, they blew past those and uh, there was a overwhelming demand for a season two. So it was, it was really cool to be a part of that. Um, We were there the official music app of the fan control football league. And I believe we had 72 of their players um, going live before games. And it was, it was integrated to where, you know, fans could vote on the best playlist. And I think there was over 57,000 total votes on for best playlist, you know uh, through their, through their, you know, through them going live on earbuds and fans interacting. So it, it was, it was a really, uh, you know, awesome experience. Yeah.
0: So I, I guess, talk to us a little bit more about I guess some of the data that came from that, obviously fan controlled football League is a heavy data organization. We haven't gotten talking. We haven't got to talking much about how you guys approach data and using that, that data, but we've already alluded to it a little bit. Um, talk to us about some of the insights that came from partnering with fan controlled football league, things that you guys learned from an earbuds perspective about how to make your product better and how to better serve the fans.
1: Yeah. Uh, my mind goes super technical. Uh, so go I technical, go technical. Um, from a music is funny. And I, one of the things I think why social music doesn't exist is because the way I listen to music and the way you listen to music and the way we put 10 people in a room, all of them listen to music at different times in their day for different reasons. And, Some people like to press shuffle and just listen. And some people like to search the next song and, or hit repeat and play it 10 times over. Um, And what we've learned is people generally fall into several different buckets. Um, They're either curator based. Like I want to listen along with athletes. I want to listen along with athletes before a game, show me other athletes. I don't care what they're listening to. A lot of people generally, most of the time people are genre based. They, they like, you know, they like, rock music they like country music they like hip-hop whatever it may be <clears throat> but sometimes there's hybrids of that right um and we learned a lot of that through through fan control um, it, it just really mostly around recommendation engines and, and like how do we serve and recommend um uh different playlists for, for new users or how they came in uh, you know the first couple sessions for an earbuds user is really important and make sure they found the playlist that they like. That's, if it's really engaging, that's a really big plus. If they're, you know, if they're following a bunch of people there's, you know, if they follow three people in the first time they use the app, they're going to be 90% retentive. And so how we get them into a really great, you know help them find the content they're looking for right away is super important. And and there's too many to name but a lot of insights came out of the, the, the fan control.
0: Give give me another, another insight that pops to the top of your head. Obviously there's so many, uh, but give me, give me one that I think our audience of senior leaders in sports and entertainment might find interesting.
1: One that I was totally wrong on. Uh, This is the, I I was, I was wrong a lot. So I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. uh, If you show me through data. Um, But you know, when I, when I like going back to that first, you know, investor pitch and, you know, pitching the company early of like, the vision we had it was spotify has playlists and you know everybody all these streaming services has that we're not going to do that we're going to be the live app like we are instagram live we are twitch we are the live experience around music and we learned so many challenges with that it, we're, we're essentially a marketplace matching hosts and all their listeners but then we had to combine it in real time which was really hard i, I remember our first celebrity that ever posted about us first major celebrity it was baker baker mayfield and he had five thousand downloads you know come in in the first 12 to 24 hours uh, after he posted but he went live posted the social listened for 30 45 minutes and then left and so we had thousands of people come into the app after he was wasn't live anymore and we got so many complaints like where is he um and then then, so I remember the first thing we did was we did a test. We did a test with the, the Burton Open. It was a, let's say, for a snowboarding event, um, you know, very similar to the X Games. And we let all the playlists live for a week after they went live. And people started tagging their friends. People started sharing it. People would come back and listen to it 10, 12, 15 times over. And we were realizing that if we got, know 500 listeners in a live session sometimes we're getting 10 15 20 x the number of listeners you know it wow. just in the first week afterwards because they were telling their friends or they were coming back and the number of plays or the, what we call spends um we, we would see 10 to 20 x on those as well and so we're like wow past sessions like this content is super evergreen like expect i mean and think about it it makes sense we call it like the like mic. Scenario in in, in earbuds. If, if your favorite athlete is warming up, what do you think the twelve year old kid is going to come back and every time he goes and works out, he's just going to pull up that playlist and just listen to it, and he's going to tell his friends, and they're gonna they're gonna share it. Oh, did you see what so and so was listening yeah. to? And we started realizing like the 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 ephemeral live uh, element of earbuds is super important, and it's a super differentiator, and it, it 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 does a lot for our business. But we were cutting out so much opportunity when we were only live um, so that, that that was another key key insight of key learning
0: well it makes it makes sense as a, again as a differentiator right I think about IG live right It makes sense that people would want to join live. but if I get the notification and I'm eating dinner, I'm like, oh well, you know, I'll tune in in five minutes. Well, for this, it's a listening session they might be they might be done by that time. Right. So how do you keep it alive? I think I think that's a really insight, good insight for anything live uh, as we think about it from a sports and entertainment perspective. Um, I, let's let's talk a little bit about demographics of people that are while we're on this data and insights uh, train, if you will, uh, around earbuds. What what are your listeners like? Who who are the listeners of earbuds? Who are your power users? Um, who's coming on the app, and what's that demographic look like?
1: Man. <laughs> This is another thing I was wrong at. You're, you're really good, David, at pointing all the things that would be wrong, I was wrong at from the beginning. Um, I'm, I'm wrong. Every, when you're not, <laughs> right,
0: you're, you're wrong every day. And that's part of the beauty of it. You got to learn from it. But go ahead.
1: No. So you know, I used to pitch our, our target market is high school, college, young adults, you know, this, you know, and then eventually, you know, Gen Z with this internet entertainment. And that is very much the case. Like they're probably the, some power users, but I was so wrong. And I didn't think, you know, mid thirties, forties, fifties, even 60 year olds would use earbuds. And it was so funny. Like we're seeing across the board, it, it schemes, it definitely skews a little bit towards the younger generation, but I was definitely surprised to see how many, uh, how many boomers were using earbuds on a regular basis. Interesting, uh, And it just showed you, because you could look at streaming numbers too, right? Like all right, you know, older, older people are listening to, you know, still listening to the radio or listening to Pandora or it's a more passive experience. But I think there was a lot of people in that demographic just didn't have their needs met with what they were existing, what they were already using. Um, So from a, from an age range uh, we, we we've seen it we've seen the full spectrum and, um we've been last year we were streamed in 165 different countries so uh so we, i mean we've seen uh we have a wide wide range of, of of users and demographics on the app
0: so i'm i'm fascinated by this boomers listening to it because i i would have had the same hunch as you it's going to be primarily your gen zers people that really follow uh you know we, we talked something else we talk about a lot is here the shift of influence person from from big brands to really being about creators and personalities and especially in gen Z noticing their preferences shift uh, in that regard so I would have predicted the same thing as you a lot of gen Z's a lot of younger people on the app so talk to me about I, I want to go a little deeper on the on boomers being on earbuds right like is, is a 60 year old guy or girl tuning in to Mahomes or like to Zion and listening To or Miles Garrett and trying to hear what they're listening to or are there older creators that are on the app as well that they resonate more closely with?
1: I hate to give you just a generic answer, but it's both, right? Because uh, with COVID, we, excuse me, with COVID, we saw a wide range of use cases pop up that we never would have thought, you know, people were locked down and still craving social connection and, you know, a lot of people found us and leveraged us as a way to do that. I mean, we were used for birthday parties and dance parties and virtual spin classes and uh, all types of workout classes, the yogas and uh, you know virtual five Ks and just uh, a ton of a ton of ideas. And you know, a lot of those, whether that's a you know a yoga class or I mean, there was one big group that was like, you know, a wine. They, they would always come on every Friday and they would they had their normal in-person wine party and they'd listen to classical music but we would see this one same like 50 person listening session every every Friday it was like these wine and they were talking about what all the wines they were drinking and so people found like I said it, it was you know that that is one demographic right there but at the same time I bumped into a lot of people people on the street or gotten emails uh, from, from older people. They are like, Oh my gosh, my home session was so sick. I don't like the music, but it was so cool to be there. And so like you still, you still get that, uh, you know, that, that side of the coin as well. So.
0: It's interesting too, right. I mean, to what you just said, ultimately this provides another access point for teams and leagues to and, and athletes and creators to ultimately be able to drive more fandom drive additional connections additional access points that makes the fan feel like an insider makes them feel like they have more information that they ha- than they had before makes them feel more like a super fan and for our passionate fans that are spending money like that's what we want right we want them to get feel like they're more connected to our brands than ever before and so i love that you guys are offering this out um now, now talk to me a little bit about how you're approaching BizDev, if you will uh are, are you partnering primarily with leagues are you going to individual teams uh again a lot of leaders on this or a lot of listeners on this podcast are leaders in sports and entertainment so as i'm thinking about if somebody's listening here and saying hey that sounds really cool i'd love to get earbuds in with our squad um how are you approaching that
1: yeah um a couple different ways one thing i think it's important to call out is you know you know, our coming out year last was last year. We graduated TechStars Austin early, early in the early in the year last year, and um, you know had, like I said, had six figure downloads across across the world in 165 different countries. But we didn't we didn't spend a dollar in marketing, um, and I say that not to not to Brad. We we want to get into the seven and eight and eight figure you know monthly actives, but and so paid acquisition will play a part but you know recently we launched on on android but for last year we were on ios only and we were on apple music and spotify so if someone like you know gronk used the app several times last year gronk posted about it um first they had to have an iphone and then they had to be premium on spotify or apple when you're looking at the world audience there, there's several there's several uh leaky parts of that funnel and so our pandora deal eventually includes their free users and our pandora or sorry our amazon deal includes amazon prime and then now that we have android we've basically been setting the table for some of the now moving into really full focus user acquisition so approaching that a couple different ways Uh, definitely business development with you know further relationships with um leagues teams um, there's there's several active conversations going there. Um, one one other point to, that's important to call out, we've never paid an influencer. So people that have come to us have all come to us on their own, their own will and, and wanting to connect with their fans, which I think is a really great signal from the market. Um <clears throat> but you know, there's there's two things that we think really gonna help your growth in the next six to twelve months. Is the first is um with this creator economy that we're in, we're going to allow creators and curators within your buds to be able to, to monetize or, uh, you know, be able to give them the tools. If if an artist wants to charge for their session, or if an athlete or a team wants to, you know, uh, you know, differentiate their offering by allowing this only to their season ticket holders, you know, they they can do that. Um, and then you know, we're also in the process of building an SDK. So if basketball team if uh, if uh, if uh, you know a race car company if anybody wants to put our experience in their app and meet their fans where they are they they can do that as well
0: fascinating yeah I I what you just said around season ticket holders and for me again knowing our audience base is senior leaders at these sports and entertainment companies I mean that to me is where my brain goes with this is saying all right if you are a season ticket holder let's call it or in the future a, a social token owner whatever it might be uh
1: i love and- that use tokens we're definitely fully down exploring the token
0: We're we're, all right, let's go there next. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a season ticket holder, right? If you can't just continue to increase prices without adding extra value, right? This this was something that was big for us at Disney, right? We would jack the prices up every single year and continue to hit record attendance because we were increasing value. It wasn't just like we were increasing the price without providing more value. And sometimes sports teams get into that trap, which is why they they're like, we're not adding anything new. So we can't justify raising ticket prices. So this is one of those pieces to me that. Again, you add that in as saying, hey, this is an extra thing that we're offering as part of the season ticket price, and it allows you to boost that bundle up as instead of just offering the, the ticket, uh, you're now offering other experiences that are exclusive, things like this. Um, and right. in college, which we spend a lot of time on, name, image, and likeness, this is going to open up a whole another Pandora's box of of ways right. for athletes and organizations to make money. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's let we, we talked about tokens a little bit. Uh I know your recent SBJ article, you covered about the emergence of NFTs. Um, so so let's go into this a little bit. How are you guys thinking about social tokens, non-fungible tokens, uh, this space of building on blockchain? I mean, I'm gonna leave it open-ended because we can explore a bunch of nooks and crannies here.
1: I, I am super bullish on on crypto and uh, even the last week was pretty rough, but uh, it was, yeah. And we're we where the token economy is going in, in NFTs and NFTs is such a wide range of what they actually are. And I think there's going to be a massive part of them that are super valuable. And it's still the beginning of, of the utility that they can provide. And I think, I think we're going to see a little bit of the market kind of figure itself out because everything is getting sold just, the hopes of selling it for more later which I think can spell trouble um so we don't want to be at the wrong side of any type of uh whether it's market bubble or you know correction or uh just anything you know negatively correlated uh with nfts that being said i I think I think where it's going and what it's going to do for sports and what it's going to do for uh, the future is still going down in a great place but i think where it's it still needs to figure itself out um, or, or the market does. Where,
0: where do the, you see, where do you see it going? I mean, in your, in your mind, I mean, you mentioned, you think it's going to be a great thing, but where do you see it going?
1: There, um, for example, like if if you're, are you familiar with the company genies?
0: Uh, vaguely or they're not, they're not crypto kitties guys. Are they, or no, Who who, no. who are genies?
1: Genie's is a uh, really cool 3D avatar company. Um, I did a, if you're familiar with it. Mean, I'm with you now. Yeah. They can plug in to several different, uh, you know, virtual uh, metaspheres. And what what they're doing, I mean, they can, they can do a, a weekly drop of Gucci shoes for, for, genies and they're going to sell 500 pairs and they're going to charge more than what Gucci shoes char- are in real life because there's so many, there's such a high demand in this, these virtual economies of what uh, these shoes are and kids want them. They want that social cred or that their their avatar online is wearing the coolest clothes and and where where that's going. And if you look at the data you know, more and more kids all over the world, not just the U.S., are spending presents online and has an avatar somewhere online. And especially when you can take that same avatar and put it in different environments and when you can call into a Zoom call with your avatar, uh, that's going to get super valuable of people. I'm, I'm not going to buy my virtual. <laughs> I don't have a virtual avatar, but I'm not going to buy that. But I think there's a lot of people that will. Um, and there's a lot. They've really leaned into sports. Um, you know, I they did I think they did, I don't know if they did the deal directly with Kelsey, but I saw on their website they had a Travis Kelsey, you know, one of the, the avatars was wearing a Travis Kelsey jersey. And, cool. Uh that they had to pay for, which I'm assuming I I would highly assume that, you know, Travis is getting uh, you know, a nice cut from that. And so things like that, I really I you know, virtual jerseys, virtual gear, virtual experiences. Um, and those are all you know, done on the blockchain through NFT. So I think things of that capacity will be will be super valuable uh, in the future, and will continue to stay on the rise.
0: We need to do so, uh, Jason. We do one of we've started doing a monthly one of these where it's live and we bring in a couple people and then we just like go off the rails it's half baked ideas only are allowed on the show versus talking about kind of some of the successes and learnings from your companies and um so so maybe at some point soon we have you back on to just nerd Marvel. out on this stuff. Cause, cause I can go deep on this, but I am curious, like how do you see earbuds fitting into that ecosystem with the metaverse and all this, how, what, what role, I know you've given it some thought, even if it's only half baked, maybe give a little bit of, of where your head is at.
1: Yeah. Uh, from, from both ends of the spectrum, from like, just from like tokens, tokens are incredibly unique. What they allow you to do. They, they align incentives. So if it's an athlete, if it's a person of influence, if it's a uh, you know, an artist, if they want to essentially sell tickets, they can do that through tokens, which uh, you can cap the supply, they can align financially. Um, and then those can be traded uh, as currency as well. And so it's a really great way to align incentives. Um, and so a minimum from that perspective, I think, You'll see something like that in the earbuds future. Uh when you get out into Metasphere and uh you you can go pretty far out there. We're exploring ways to make that happen. I'm not sure. Uh I'm not I'm not entirely sure what how far down that spectrum will go, but we're definitely exploring it.
0: Well, I'm excited to see the future and see what it holds for you guys in that space. Uh, at some point, we're going to issue out an engagement token and, and see what the hell happens. I, uh, I love I, it. I think my mom is going to be the only buyer of it, but <laughs> but we'll I'll see. Buy all right. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, so as we as we wrap it up here and we bring us home, um, let, let's get into some of the easier toss-up questions. Um, if you've got a gigantic billboard, you can put it anywhere, put up a piece of advice on it, right? So it's ended up It's like the size of a tweet. This is a classic Tim Ferriss question. What are you giving to our leaders in sports and entertainment? What's that? What are you saying on that billboard? That's a piece of advice to them.
1: Well, I'm a Christian, so I would say something along the lines God is real and God loves you. Um, I'm with it, man. uh, If I had two billboards and one right behind it, I would probably say something along the lines of, uh, uh, I, just something encouraging, man. Keep going. Keep grinding. Just keep fighting. Just keep clawing for 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 that extra inch. And I'm quoting every corny sports movie out there, but it the the grind gets tough. Um, you know, I, my girlfriend's an entrepreneur. She has multiple companies. So I don't know how she does it uh and our conversations are just always uplifting because you need that man it's there's there's days where it's a grind uh but that but that's what startups are you know i've talked to i've through earbuds i've met several successful founders and successful executives that exited these massive companies and my favorite question to ask all of them i was like did you always know it was going to be a success and I've never heard anyone's answer yes to that question and most of them said you know there was weeks before we sold where I thought we were going under like it, <laughs> it was just it was just a massive uh you know all hands on deck you have to figure this out almost the entire way and then maybe the last five percent it was sailing uh and so that is that's just the you know I feel like this uh, kind of the world of social media we live in, where everybody likes to post all their wins and nobody likes to share their losses or the struggle. Where I think, I think that's where strength is: is sharing struggles, sharing, sharing realness, being authentic with one another. And um, I don't know, something, something along those lines. I don't think you can fit all that on a billboard, but you, you, I, a really I, you know billboard. what? That,
0: that was a, that's a really big billboard, and and I'm with it. It's like the Times Square one. It's all uh, all of them lined up together. So I'm with yeah, it. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it's a great point, right? And where my brain goes with it, too, and we see this all the time as we work with different teams, is everything that you just talked about, it, it's kind of the 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 embodiment of being an entrepreneur is I mean, you get high highs, you get low lows. it's It's all about momentum, right? you're going hard for two weeks and things are great. And then all of a sudden something brings you to a screeching halt, and you take two steps back and, and it's like, okay, how can you get up and take those three steps forward? How can you, you're constantly experimenting. And as I think about it for a lot of leaders that are, whether it's a pro team or college athletic department or a league, I think so often as they're recruiting people, they look at what other athletic department did you work in? What other pro team did you work in? And there's not because of that. There's not enough entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism or entrepreneurialism within these organizations, and so when you have things like COVID that hit us last year, like people freak out and don't know what to do. And it's like shit. COVID was just one more thing, like on on our list of setbacks that we had to figure out how to overcome. But we've been doing that for the last three years anyway.
1: It is funny you said that. Like um, I, I've always had entrepreneurial mind and. It wasn't here, but it'd probably been another company. The other position that I've always found super fascinating is athletic directors. Like I and you know, I actually even talked to several when I retired of like you know, what's it like. I want I wanted to learn what that that journey was like. And but what I learned it is to uh there is too much politics like anywhere else, but where you can't take risks. Cause if you take risks, going to go wrong. You get fired. If you play it safe and it goes wrong, you keep your job. So there's no motivation
0: to hundred
1: percent. There's no motivation to be an entrepreneur at that space. There's no motivation to, if you, if let's say, if you grow 2%, if that's the standard by playing it safe, there's not, there's not much, any extra motivation to grow by 10 or 20% by taking risks. So it wasn't, it didn't feel like a good, a good fit for, my personality. Oh, a hundred percent.
0: I thought I thought for the longest time, I, I thought for the longest time I wanted to be an athletic director. And then as I started working really closely within athletic departments, I'm like, wait, so you're telling me that if I grow revenues 30%, I'm still just going to get the 2% bonus or 2%, mm. 2%, 2% raise that I would have got if we were in the red $30 million. Right. right? Like that that doesn't make any sense. Like what's my incentive to grind and work hard. It's, it's exactly. gotta be all, it's gotta be all intrinsic, but it's hard to hire an organization purely off of making sure you get people that are intrinsically driven. Like that's why extrinsic motivators exist. But anyway, we, we could talk forever about this, Jason. I, I, I've loved our time together, man. I did too. I enjoyed it. Uh, well, again, I, I think if we do one of these live ones where we get into some of the, the future space and what does it look like from a technology perspective. I've got my my rally sports love tech shirt on with uh with Bill Gates and Shaq on the back. But uh anyway, Jason, this has been awesome. Where can people reach you and follow along your journey? Where can people get a hold of Earbuds and check it out? G- give us some
1: plugs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Earbudsmusic.com is our site and Earbuds Music uh on the socials as well. Um, and you can find us on the and just search earbuds in the Google Play or app store and you'll find our app.
0: Got it. Are you on Twitter or anything? People want to follow you?
1: If you want to follow me, I'm Jason Fox 70 on all the socials.
0: Beautiful. All right, Jason. Hey, it's been great having you. Looking forward to our next conversation and best of luck.
1: Awesome. Thanks, David. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by CheckedIn, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic, and with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk, and it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally and you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked in has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country and they're now opening up beta access on a limited basis. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to checkedin.app. That's c h e c k d i n.app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, Visit engagementpartners.com to learn more, download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us. If you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives, our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.